Ayers on the Road, Parenting in a Modern World. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. Nice to be back. We have been on the road all day, so it's nice to be off the road to be talking to parents. The, the reason this show is called Ayers on the Road is because not always by choice. We're always on the road or in the air and going somewhere to meet with yet another group of wonderful parents, moms and dads, husbands and wives who want to who want to improve their families enough that they're willing to come and hear the Irish speak somewhere. I think we often end up speaking to the choir, don't you, Linda? We get the problem yeah. is the people that come are the ones who are already trying really hard, and the ones who don't come might be the ones who need it most. I know you never know. I don't know, but boy, I'll tell you what. Lehigh, Utah, did a fabulous kickoff for Family Week on Sunday night, and they they're doing events all week. I mean, we've heard of countywide. Family Weeks, but this is a city, a little city in Utah, and honestly, that was fun, wasn't it, Richard? It was well, a there... kickoff in a big auditorium at a high school, and a big choir, youth choir, and lots of kids and parents, and it was so fun. It's not, I mean, it is a, a little town by by national or international standards. I, about 48,000 people live in Lehigh, Utah. And my goodness, they have a beautiful high school there, and they're called the uh, Lehigh Pioneers, and they're a 5A school, and, and they put on a quite an opening show last night. It's called the Lehigh Family Week. It's part of the National Family There used to be a National Family Week, which has slipped in recent years, but it has not slipped in Lehigh, Utah. They had their town council, they had their... They had a beautiful choir that sang some original numbers. Uh, they, middle school and high school kids, if you can yeah. imagine them taking the time out of their busy schedules to practice and do some fabulous music. Fantastic. And then they had uh, a Vivaldi quartet of four 12-year-olds that knocked my socks off, Linda. I mean, those kids could play. Hey, knock your socks off. I was a violin major at, at Utah State University, and they played stuff that I played in college. They were amazing, and the, fun, the funnest part is that they've been together for three years. Now, think about it. They are 12. They started this string quartet when they were nine years old. <laughs> They were terrific. They didn't even have full-size. Did they have full-size violins, or did that one gal have a little quarter Yeah, size? no, I think they were all pretty much full. The cello wasn't full-size. Yeah, no, the cello was smaller. That was a small cello, but, but they, they were, were great. terrific. But there was, and I hope, I'm just going to give her a shout-out. I hope no one uh, embarrasses her, that she's not embarrassed. But Heather Miller was their chairman, and boy, did she put this together. They had... I, well, they had that gym filled to capacity, and people were sitting on the floor of the gym. They probably had, what would you say, 2,500, 3,000 people there maybe. It was a terrific turnout. It was. And and the neat thing was everyone came as a family, and they, they recognized three outstanding families from their community and uh, told why they were outstanding and what they were doing to prioritize their children and their parenting and so on. and. I mean, it was just, it was a little piece of Americana as Americana should be. I agree. I thought that was so fun. Um, and this Heather, 
honestly, you know, some people are just born with dynamite in their minds. <laughs> in their veins. <laughs> in their veins. Honestly, this woman just, uh, I mean, when we, we've done lots of stuff like this and, and, and lots of wonderful, lovely events, but this woman had it totally covered. I mean, when you invite a big choir like that, the parents come. Um, she had Supper Santa people there. She had everybody involved in the community, which was just so impressive. And I wish minute, we did that more. The minute we walked in, there were some little ushers assigned, and they whisked us right up to our place on the stand. And We were really honored to be the keynote speakers. And I, I guess in our tradition on this show, it's always to share with you what we learn from parents and what we share with parents during the week just passed. And I learned a lot down there. What we tried to share with them was, again, this message that we're really on lately, which is that entitlement attitudes, the entitlement attitudes of our kids is the biggest problem we have as parents. But we did it a little different. We try to do a little different program every time we go out, largely just to keep ourselves from getting stale, don't you think, Linda? Yeah, we do. But we, we tried to sort of present the uh, the wrong way and the right way to give kids ownership. And I I had a good time because I'm really good at playing the part of a bad parent. <laughs> you are, you know. I, I was convincing. I mean, I'd, I'd do what parents usually do, and then I'd turn it over to Linda, and Linda would tell how to do it the right way. For example, I, I started off with a couple of... Uh, kids from the audience and said, now I'm your parent and you two have just had a fight and here's what I'm going to do. Who started it? Well, what did you do? Well, what did you do? Well, who should be punished? And pretty soon the parent has taken over the total ownership of that conflict. The kids don't learn a thing from it. They, and they just, they're just on the, the sort of punishment end of things and, and they don't grow from it. So well, they then, just resent it and then they're doing the same thing again another hour later. Exactly. And then Linda was the, the good example of the repenting bench and how to deal with giving kids the ownership of an argument. But we did that uh, on, on ownership of conflicts, on ownership of goals ownership of choices, ownership of money, ownership of toys and clothes, and we, we presented the wrong way and the right way, and always, and I hope you, I hope you listeners aren't getting bored with this because I know we're a little repetitive, but we really believe that the right answers always, and the right techniques always involve giving kids the ownership of their own situation. Well, I thought you were going to say what we did that was a little different was we hold the audience and of course we've done that a lot of times to see what they thought was most crucial as far as problems with their kids and I think we've talked about that a little bit before but this was interesting because the kids were there and so we polled them too. Who, whose fault is it that you're entitled? And they agreed that they were entitled. <laughs> yeah, they agreed that they had entitlement attitudes. And and then when we asked them who was to blame, politics, media, banks, or their parents, it was unanimous. They all blamed their parents. <laughs> well, there were a few on the government, a few on the bank, you know, but most of them agreed that the parents really needed some help. Luckily, the parents agreed with that, too. Yeah, and, that's uh, right. You know, we, we won't get a deeply into entitlement again, but we once again do invite all of you listening to go to entitlementtrap.com. No spaces, just entitlementtrap.com, and learn a little more about why we're on such a binge 
talking about the problems of entitlement and the fact that we may never solve the attitude in our country or in our society, but the way to tackle it is to solve the entitlement problem one family at a time. Now, speaking of entitlement, Richard, before we go on, I have to say that you felt a little entitled this week because you got a new bicycle. Now, the interesting thing about this bicycle is we <laughs> took it down to this? southern Utah and as part of entitlement we took it to southern Utah where there's some beautiful trails but they do go up hills and down hills and Richard does not like going up hills so he got this bicycle with a battery operated engine it's what a is power, it? it's a power assist bicycle I highly recommend them you can save your strength with one of those power assist bicycles oh man he went miles and miles and then he did call me and say I'm too tired come get me <laughs> well that's because the battery ran out See, oh, I used oh. up the battery so I had to have you come and get me oh but I don't know what that has to do with well you just thought you were entitled to do what you know what made it enjoyable to ride a bike okay and so you did which was really fun and now I want one well, you're going to get one. I'll be sure of that. <laughs> you're entitled to one. So, so parents out there listening, let us, let us ask you a question to which we know the answer. What are you thinking about this week? Well, of course, you're thinking about Thanksgiving. I hope, I hope you haven't jumped over Thanksgiving and started thinking about Christmas this early, although how can you help it when every story you walk into is playing Christmas music, and every display you see, they didn't even get Thanksgiving. They ripped down the Halloween uh, decorations and put up Santa and the sleighs and the elves and the presents. And boy, oh boy, we resent that, don't we, Linda? Because it just so happens Thanksgiving, well, I'll speak for myself, it's my favorite holiday of the year. Oh, it's mine, too. I absolutely adore Thanksgiving because you don't have to... All you have to do, well, especially when you're going to someone else's house for dinner, but um, really, you just have to be grateful. You have to be so grateful and think about your blessings. And, man, that is just a great holiday, if you ask me. And this is funny because I, uh, we had just done uh, columns in the newspaper on this. We've been talking about this all week. And then I was talking to a mother the other day. A friend of mine who was at the grocery store, and she said, you know, I just hate Thanksgiving. Why do we even do Thanksgiving? Oh, I just, no. This is just in the way. What was she Why don't we just about? go on to Christmas, you know? And oh. she said, I just, it's so hard, and it's because everybody comes to her house every every year for Thanksgiving dinner, and that's hard. Oh, that's why. Well, that's really hard. Well, let me say this. We, um, I'm going to make a statement that I want you to think about during the break. We're going to take a, a break in just a minute. And then after the break, when we come back, we're going to share some of our favorite quotes, if you will, quotations about gratitude and appreciation and thanksgiving and how much they have to do with happiness and with a general feeling of well-being. But as we go to break, think about this this bold statement that I'm going to make to you. As parents, parent to parent, from Linda and Richard to you as a parent, and here it is, if you do well enough in observing the Thanksgiving holiday, if you really make it a part of your family's fabric, this whole business of Thanksgiving, not only as a noun, but as a verb, Thanksgiving, if you are successful in doing that, guess what? That will pave the way for the best Christmas 
you could ever have because you'll go into it as a family thinking not about what kids usually think about. What am I going to get? What's Santa going to bring? I wonder what I'll get surprised with. It's all about me. It's all about me. They will go into Christmas instead thinking how grateful they are, how much they already have, and how blessed they are to be living today and to be living in your family. So if you want to get excited about Thanksgiving, stay tuned because we have some terrific quotes that we want to share with you. And we're back. Um, If you have not heard the first half of this program, we are about to launch into our adoration of Thanksgiving. We really love the holiday, and I think we we mentioned in some detail last week on the show that it has been it has become our tradition. It became our tradition right after we were married to send instead of Christmas cards because we just felt like it was we were a little too bombarded with everything else and didn't have time. It was probably an excuse, actually, Linda. As it began, we thought we got a little more time during Thanksgiving. Let's send out a Thanksgiving card. And guess what? The unexpected benefit of that was everyone got our Thanksgiving card a month before, so everyone sent us a thank a Christmas card, and we got more Christmas cards than we'd ever had. Yeah, that was fun, and we had lots of addresses. But then, you know, it got to be such a huge deal to get those in the mail that we then decided that we were going to actually email them. Bless the Internet. <laughs> that makes it a lot easier, doesn't it? So. These are not quotes we send out on the Internet. We, we did an actual kind of a little poem we usually do, and if we have time, we might even share part of that with you at the end of the show. But I've got a, a, a little a list of really um, interesting quotes. In fact, many of them were in the Deseret News today. And, Linda, if you can go online and get the Deseret News, then you can – oh, actually, I think, I think what Linda's going to do <laughs> – We've got two things we want to sort of juxtaposition with you. One is some very profound quotations about thanksgiving and gratitude and appreciation. And then Linda, so we'll kind of go from the sublime to the ridiculous, because Linda, I think, just came in the office and picked up a roll, an old roll of paper that many years ago we happened to make a list of thankful things that our kids were thankful for that we put on this list during Thanksgiving. So, Linda, I'll, I'll, let's do that. I'll give a profound quote, and then you give some weird thing from our family list. Okay, All go right. for it. I like this quote by Cicero. Gratitude is the greatest of virtues. In fact, it is the parent of all other virtues. How about that? I love it. Um, now, we have to preface the, this with our Thanksgiving tradition. You know, we decided when our kids were little, thank goodness. We told all about this last week, but maybe some weren't listening then. Yeah, that's true. We can't be guaranteed we have the same audience. Anyway, that instead of just sitting around, um, you know, just watching football all day and eating way too much as our family tradition for Thanksgiving, that we were going to come up with a list of things that the kids were grateful for. So we started first thing in the morning. We took we got a little um, 
what are they called, an adding machine paper roll? It's a you know? roll of paper. A roll start, of yeah. paper, and they started rolling it out, and they liked it. I mean, the little kids really liked it, but then, you know, the older kids kind of liked it, and then the teenagers caught on, and then as the cousins came in, and the aunts and uncles, and everybody that came in the doors, okay, what do you think before? Come on, we got to beat our record drum last year. The first year, I think we had 300. The last year that we did it when the kids were all home, I think we had 1,200, which is a lot of thankful things. So obviously there are some pretty funny things on the list. The okay, read a couple, Linda, because I want to get back to the profound quotes that I have. Right. Well, some of these won't mean a lot to you, but um, shelter, strawberries, left-handed people, feelings. That must be a left-handed person. That I'm so thankful for left-handed people. Love, friends, UFOs, um, you know. Jackie, UFOs, I don't know who that oh, is. So thankful. Smiles, food, uh, my major, um, counting. <laughs> I can't even read what that says. Okay, touch, taste. I mean, vision. Everything that they could think of that they were grateful for that year. Can you, Linda, you look for some more that you really like, and I want to read a couple more profound. Quotes. All right, there you go. I love G.K. Chesterton. He's one of my favorite authors. Did you know he was a mentor to C.S. Lewis? Imagine being C.S. Lewis's mentor. G.K. Chesterton said, I would maintain that thanks are the highest form of thought and that gratitude is happiness doubled by wonder. Isn't that a beautiful oh, I quote? I love that. Let me give one more here. A man named R.H. Blythe. He really thought that gratitude was what what defined and sort of separated uh, one type of person from another. He said this, There is no greater difference between men than between grateful and ungrateful people. That's That was the separator for him, those who are grateful and those who are not. And that, that seemed to define people for R.H. Blythe. Oh, wow, that's a wonderful one. That reminds me, uh, we going back to entitlement just for a moment, the thing that came out of the audience most the other day is, you know, what's the problem with entitlement? And the problem is you're just not grateful. You just want stuff. You're not grateful for it. When you get it, you just give me more. Give me, give me, give me. In so, case, I love that. In case you, you, you listeners were wondering, that's, that's the justification for talking about entitlement today. Entitlement is the polar opposite of gratitude. Now let's go on with another one. Um, one of the things I love about gratitude is that it's not a gift that you're given or not given. It's not a talent. It's not a skill. It, it, it is, but it can be acquired. The point is you can become a grateful person. You can develop the aptitude or the attitude of gratitude. And many quotes seem to suggest that. I I like what Henry Ward Beecher said. He, he basically felt that a person could constantly discover new blessings and be more and more aware of them just by the force of will, just by awareness, just by concentration, by consciousness. So he said this, The unthankful heart discovers no mercies, but let the thankful heart sweep through the day, and as a magnet finds the iron, so a thankful heart will find in every hour some heavenly blessing. 
Isn't that lovely? That is lovely. You know, the most unhappy people that we know are people who like to blame somebody else for everything, you know? I think that's what it's saying. And I want to throw one more at you that I just love. Uh, This is a rabbi, Rabbi Harold Kushner, who many of us have read uh, things from over the years. He really, I think this is the best quote I've ever found, pointing out that gratitude really is an attitude. It's not... It's not some substance. It's, it's something you develop within yourself, an attitude. And he said this, Can you see the holiness in those things you take for granted? A paved road or a washing machine. If you concentrate on finding what is good in every situation, you will discover that your life will suddenly be filled with gratitude, a feeling that nurtures the soul. Oh, I love that. that And, you know, that goes right along with this little list that we have because it's the little things that we take for granted sometimes that we just, they're huge blessings to us. I mean, some are funny, but but let me just read a few more from here. Um, uh, Sycamore trees. Oh, are they gorgeous or what? (laughs) We just saw some this week. Oh, my gosh, they are so beautiful. Um, Read a whole bunch off the list. uh, Well, okay. Uh, Eclectic things. Home pages. How about that one? <laughs> I like my homepage. I mean, you know, and I like everybody's homepage. It's fun. Uh, rainy, rainy, moody days. Those are beautiful. You think a lot on those days. Siblings helping siblings. I like that one. Um, back rubs. Oh, you would like that, honey. I think I probably wrote that You one. might have, yeah. Slippers. Tennis, there we go. Think how many different ways your mind can go when you put it to work. On gratitude, and sometimes it goes in a in a way that you'd never expect. If you read some of these quotes, a man named Westermeyer. Uh, basically, whenever I read this, it reminds me that gratitude is a, a choice which you make no matter what happens to you. And and boy, this is the extreme case. This is uh, this this is poignant when you think of this quote. The pilgrims made seven times more graves than huts. No Americans have been more impoverished than those who nevertheless set aside a day of Thanksgiving. Oh, I love that. Oh, my goodness. So it's a choice, isn't it? It's a little like Viktor Frankl's book, uh, Man's Search for Meaning, where, where he concluded that people, I mean, he was a Nazi war prisoner and was experimented on mentally and so on, the Nazis captured him and uh, and put him in a concentration camp and his view was they can take away everything from me except one thing and that is my attitude about how I'll view them and how I'll view myself and I think that uh, the pilgrim quote is really really good on that too and you know speaking of pilgrims I'm reading a book um, called Undaunted right now that is an 800 page saga of pioneers who came actually to Utah. Some of them had come across the plains, had uh, been in the Martin Willie Handcart Company, which uh, meant that many of them died, their feet were frozen and uh, amputated and so on. And then they came to Utah and then were sent off to another place where wild Indians were and crooks and bad guys to try and settle the land. And I just thought, whoa, wait a minute, I have just been complaining about things that people ask me to do. (laughs) 
like they don't realize that da, 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 you know I, I remember when our kids were our youngest was um, not sleeping through the night actually she didn't sleep through the night until she was two and a half years old and and people would ask me to do things and, and I would look at them like you have no idea you're talking to a woman that hasn't slept for two and a half years but you know what it was not that big a deal I mean when you think of all these things these pilgrims did to make our lives what it is today, even though there are some hardships in our lives today, man, I love that. I mean, that is amazing. Yeah, so many some, more graves and huts. And the reason we're reading these on the air today is for ourselves as well as you. We think if parents can sort of build up this sort of magical, warm feeling of gratitude and, and how wonderful it is to, to sort of be active in our gratitude and share it and share it with our children and get them in the same spirit... That's a real motivation to do a better job on Thanksgiving. So with Thanksgiving just a couple of days away, here, here's a couple more uh, favorites. This is an anonymous, uh, an unknown author, but I love the simplicity of it. Hem your blessings with thankfulness so they don't unravel. In other words, you've got a lot of blessings, but if you don't hem them, if you don't, if you don't express thankfulness for them, you can lose them. You can lose atten- You lose your attention. You can lose your consciousness of them, see? Thornton Wilder, who always said things in an interesting 